Welcome to the NCEA podcast. I'm your host today, Colleen McCoy-Sika, the Director of Professional Learning for NCEA. Today's podcast is sponsored by NCEA friend and partner, Petrus. My guests on the podcast today are Dr. Melody Wittenbach and Dr. Hoffman Espino from Boston College. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today and welcome. Thanks for having us, Colleen. We're happy to be here. Happy to be here as well. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to this conversation, too. So um, let's start with with your backgrounds. Um, Let's start with you, Melody. Can you share a little bit about yourself with the listeners? Sure. So my name is Melody Wittenbach. I am the director of the Roach Center for Catholic Education here at Boston College. And I've been a lifelong Catholic educator, starting out as a teacher um, and leader and just kind of have progressed through different roles in Catholic education, which seems to always be the case for many, and just Mm -hmm. have a deep passion for the work that we do. So I'm grateful to be able to share a bit more about our research today with you in this current position. That's great. And how about you, Hoffman? Yes, uh, I am a professor of... uh, theology and religious education in the School of Theology and Ministry at Boston College. And I've been teaching uh, at BC for about 15 years. It's unbelievable how time flies. And much of my work uh, focuses on uh, researching on the Latino Catholic experience and how Latinos in the United States of America are transforming and giving new life, fresher ways of being Catholic in this country. That's that's great. I know that, you know, part of what we're going to talk about, because your name, you know, has kind of been on my radar for quite a while because of the research that you that you've done, which is, you know, one of the reasons I was kind of looking forward to this conversation today. So I'm really excited to dig in here. Um, For those of you who will be attending uh, the NCEA 2022 convention, you will find an on demand session presented by Dr. Wittenbach and Dr. Espino. Our conversation today is just going to be a glimpse into the study that they will be sharing in that session. So um, let's let's go ahead and get started. To provide just a backdrop for the conversation today, Dr. Espino, can you please share how this current study has become an outgrowth of your 2016 study on Hispanic leadership in the Catholic Church? Absolutely, Colleen. And as a matter of fact, I'm gonna start even before that uh, particular study. Uh, in 2014, uh, Boston College launched uh, uh, a report or published a report on uh, parishes with Hispanic ministry. And at the same time, it took advantage of that report in that study to look at the status of uh, how Latinos are uh, living and practicing their faith in faith communities nationwide. So that study w- was an opportunity for us to look at know key statistics and trends throughout the United States uh, about Catholicism. We know, for instance, that about 4,500 parishes nationwide are serving Hispanics through Hispanic ministry. But we also know that about 40-41% of all Catholics in this country uh, self-identify as Hispanic. And the younger we get, you know, particularly under the age of 18, 
the larger the percentage, about, you know, 60% of all Catholics under 18 actually self-identify as Hispanic. So it was natural that for us, you no, know, the next step would be to look at uh, how we uh, in our structures are serving the Latino community beyond parishes. And that's where uh, the 2016 uh, essay report, as a matter of fact, and study began. You know, we wanted to see how Catholic schools were doing vis-a-vis uh, -vis supporting the Latino families, welcoming children, creating environments, what was possible, what were some of the limitations. Then that study has generated or generated major conversations uh, nationwide in dioceses, schools, school systems, philanthropic organizations, support networks, and so on. So when Melody and I were discussing about the next steps, we naturally said, okay, we have to start looking at now the individuals who are transforming our life uh, in these schools. And definitely we you know, moved uh, or geared our attention towards uh, Hispanic uh, teachers and educators. That's how this uh, uh, new study that we just released uh, emerged. That's excellent. And it, it sounds so you started with, you know, kind of a broad story as with all good research, you start with the, the broad picture and now you are continuing on and narrowing it down and making it more and more specific. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That's that's fantastic. Thank you. So, Dr. Wittenbach, um, what difference do you see Latino teachers and Hispanic teachers and leaders making in educational communities specifically? This is a wonderful question. So just to provide a little bit of background data on this. So in 2016, NCA reported that 7% of all faculty, including full-time and part-time teachers and leaders in Catholic schools were Hispanic. And uh, in 2020, 2021, that percentage increased to 9%. So close to 15,000 teachers and leaders in our schools are Hispanic. And Hispanic teachers and leaders, as you, as you probably know, um, embody such a beautiful set of experiences and skills that are really essential to forming in this individuals in this very increasingly diverse church. So we look at the many assets of being bilingual, bicultural. Many Hispanic teachers and leaders develop intercultural competencies, right, through their personal experiences, their academic trainings. And one of the beautiful things that our, our research really has found is that they're gente puente, they're bridge builders. They really do a beautiful job connecting um, students, families, one another to our Catholic mission. And so they really draw from beautiful worlds of their life experiences, their religious experiences, and they've really brought a renewal of faith into our Catholic school communities. Um, and so I think when we look at how their ideal guides of transforming our, our, our schools and our Catholic um, faith, like our, our, our church, um, we really see a beautiful hope that they bring um, to our, our families through just their presence, through their ministry, through their role modeling by being, you know, mediators and cultural accommodators, as we talk about in our, in our study. And truly, they're also advocates for their community in such beautiful ways where they really um, help to really seek out and, and move forward the Hispanic community. Um, and so not only for our schools, our church, but for society at large. And so um, they bring so many assets to to our church and our schools, and this is kind of what we explored throughout our study. So, and just, you know, list, processing what, what you're saying in that answer, you know, I, I've actually read a, a few studies very recently about the importance of 
building community and what families expect in a Catholic school and why they choose Catholic schools is that idea of building community and ways that schools can actually you know, work to retain the families that they already have is really by focusing on you know, that, that notion of community. So hearing what you're saying about the importance of Hispanic and Latino teachers and leaders, and that this is just a natural piece of what they bring to our Catholic schools, that really shines a light on the importance of them as part of our Catholic school communities. So Dr. Espino, do you have any observations to add to, to Melody's wonderful answer there? Well, it's always difficult to follow uh, Melody because she's so insightful and you know, always steals my thunder. But uh, let me do my best here. Uh, I think that adding to those insights uh, that Melody has just um, uh, lifted up, I would add three points uh, or, or dynamics that I think that Hispanic uh, educators bring into Catholic schools. One, I want to call it the Ministry of Presence, you know, and this is kind of me thinking as a theologian. The presence of Latinos, you no know, Latino teachers and educators, in a sense, is a wave of making present not only uh, an ethnic group or a community, but the gifts of that community being present means that their language, their culture, their uh, experiences uh, matter and they enrich the life of the community. Uh, I'm thinking, for instance, of conversations reading about you know, the time, for instance, when um, many sectors in the life either of our church or our society were dominated by mostly males. And uh, there was, you know, there were these conversations, you know, at, at, in terms of how important it was for women to be present. And particularly in the last half a century, we have seen how many structures in society and even in our church have been dramatically transformed by the presence of women, you know, and the many gifts that uh, women bring uh, to, to the church. And I think that we are experiencing something similar with uh, underrepresented groups, you know. Uh, unfortunately, in the history of uh, Catholic education, the, Latin, the presence of Hispanic educators has been very small, actually rare in many, in many schools. And, and it's the same case with black teachers and Asian teachers, Native American teachers and educators. So that presence really makes a, 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 a huge difference. The second thing that I would, uh, that I would, say, would say about Latino teachers and educators in schools is the fact that they represent you know, a set of experiences that actually connect directly with the experiences also of many children and families that are sending their kids uh, to Catholic schools. As they do so, you know, for instance, they are able, as Melody indicated, you know, they are gente puente, they understand, they can mediate the immigrant experience, they can mediate the experience of someone who is learning a second or a third language, they can mediate the experience of navigating cultural biases that sometimes we encounter in our own church, but also in the, in the larger society. And the last thing that uh, I would add is that Hispanic educators in Catholic schools are advocates, you no, know, and they're profound advocates about realities that are important, you not know, to Hispanics in particular, but also to the larger uh, Catholic population. Uh, 
not in many Catholic schools, for instance, or uh, Catholic settings, issues such as uh, better education in public schools or immigration or family separation you know, become a priority for the conversations that we have in these settings. But for Hispanic teachers, they are. And they are because, one, it's quite likely that they may have experienced some of these dynamics. Or, and two, because they know that many of the children and the families who are in those schools have experienced some of this. So advocacy is something personal, relational, and part of uh, building the community in the Catholic school. So I'm stuck on two things that you said in that answer. And first, that the part that you just said about advocacy, that it just rings so true and it was so beautiful. But the other thing, I, I wrote it down and put it in a box, and I'm always going to remember this phrase, is the ministry of presence. And I have I have not heard that phrase before. I don't know if you coined it. And if so, all right, you, you heard it here first on the NCEA podcast, everyone. The ministry of presence. What a beautiful concept. And I think that really embodies everything that you just said. And, and Dr. Espino, I'll let you go first on this one so that Melody can't steal your thunder, okay? So <laughs> what recommendations do you have for ways to increase Hispanic and Latino representation in Catholic school leadership? Let, let me say two things. One, uh, the first thing that we need to do is uh, we need to somehow change hearts and minds about how we understand the relationship between Latinos and Catholic schools, Hispanics and Catholic schools. Uh, uh, Melody and I recently wrote a piece, uh, a, an article precisely addressing this. When people hear the words Hispanics and Catholic schools, there is a temptation to, to, say, to say or to ask, how will Catholic schools help Hispanics? And that somehow puts the Latino community on the receiver end and almost as and almost always as the needy community. But if we change the conversation and we begin by asking instead, you know, what can Latinos or what are Latinos contributing to Catholic schools? That's a whole different question because immediately it acknowledges the potential, the values, the perspectives that Latinos and you know that Hispanics are bringing into Catholic education, and this is where Hispanic leaders and, and teachers in Catholic schools uh, come in. No, they are people that I mean, as Melody said, almost fifteen thousand are already working in the schools, day and night, leading, teaching, modeling, mentoring, and doing many things for the lives of the school. They are sustaining these institutions. And I believe that the more we acknowledge the role of those who are already there, who are already doing the work, the more we are going to keep motivating other Latinos and Latinas to imagine themselves also serving in this capacity. The other thing that I would say about ways to increase the Hispanic presence in terms of leadership and, and teachers uh, in Catholic schools is by invitation. We need to continue to invite the many leaders who are either in ministry or leaders who are in doing community organizing from a faith-based perspective. Or we need to start encouraging and inviting young women and men who are in high school or in colleges who wanna consider the possibility of teaching in a Catholic school. Melody and I and many others are convinced that 
teaching, serving in a Catholic school, is a vocation within the vocation of within the baptismal vocation. God calls us, but God calls through us through the invitation of the community. If the community remains silent, it's it's difficult for people to listen to that to that invitation. So we need to invite many Latinos everywhere to consider Catholic schools as a way of fulfilling their baptismal vocation. So again, love everything you just said. And, and I have to tell you, um, this mor- just this morning, I read your article, Five Ways Hispanic Educators Are Breathing Life Into Catholic Schools. That's the article you're referring to, correct? Correct, correct. Excellent, excellent. And it, so, you know, just, um, just a shout out to that. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely recommend that um, if you can, for the listeners, if you can, uh, you know, listen to what Hoffman is saying about, uh, you know, the, the cultivation, the inviting people in, the ministry, um, and to think about the ways that when we, when we enrich our Catholic schools with Hispanic and Latino educators, um, you know, all of the different ways that, that that just raises up our schools. So shout out to that article. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, Dr. Wittenbach, anything else that you want to add to that? Yeah. Well, I think um, Hoffman has some exceptional insights. And I do think one thing we have to be mindful of are our pathways into Catholic schools. And so thinking about the preparation programs, the teacher preparation programs and our leadership preparation programs that are um, existing, especially at our Catholic universities and colleges. And something that we found very interesting is that only 27% of Hispanic uh, students un- attended undergraduate programs, and 19% of our those that participated in our study gr- attended graduate programs in Catholic colleges and institutions. And so this is very low when we think a little bit about the possibility of engaging Hispanic educators in our um, institutions, our Catholic universities and colleges. And even fewer were part of like different alternative preparation programs and certification programs. So we have a number of, you know, a university consortium of Catholic education programs across the country that are doing wonderful jobs, um, increasing the pipeline of Catholic educators into our schools. But only 7% of Hispanic teachers were trained through those alternative preparation programs. And so this is a real opportunity for us to say we've got to be doing more. And as institutions of higher education, we've got to really think about how we're recruiting who we're recruiting, how we're really investing in them to be able to, um, you know, uh, kind of successfully complete different programs that we've established. And another thing, too, as a former Catholic school principal, I love that you brought up the um, kind of notion of invitation, both Hosman and, and Colleen, because, you know, I think so much of this um, work is, is done in our schools because of that invitation of saying to someone, I see this um, possibility within you, and I think that you could take on this role as a dean or as a chair or as an assistant principal or after school coordinator. There's no shortage of leadership roles within our schools that are not necessarily just the principalship, but, you know, there's many ways that people can lead and be teacher leaders in our Catholic schools. And so an invitation to individuals to to exercise that leadership through these different roles is really critical. And when we examine that, only 30% of responding Hispanic teachers indicated that they were they were the part of these different specific programs for teachers to move into leadership or administrative positions. And so that's kind of concerning that we're not tapping into the current talent that exists in our schools. And I think it's a real opportunity to distribute the leadership and diversify our leadership as well. So there's a lot of opportunities to widen that pathway um, that uh, both in terms of the 
the formal training and then that kind of on-the-job experience that that's available for many people to participate in. That is uh, that's a, a fantastic insight. I um, I would agree with you. How many of us ended up in school leadership because someone invited us into it, right? So few people set out in there. Uh, you know, we went into it to be teachers, right? To be with kids, and then you know somewhere along the way, someone said to us, "Hey." I see something in you and I think that you should try this. And that's how most people end up in, in leadership, um, at the people I, I talk to anyway, all over the country. So um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. That invitation to lead is definitely an opportunity. So, um, all right, so let's let's keep going here. And Melody, we'll, we'll stick with you for this one. So what do you see as areas of challenge and areas of growth? You know, I'm going to focus on one that really draws on the voices of the number of individuals that we interviewed, both on the one-on-one -on -one interviews and then the focus groups, um, because the the ideas of loneliness and alienation and tokenism were really strongly identified by a number of Hispanic teachers um, who participated in these conversations. And these were these create barriers, right, for their success, for their engagement, for their retention in our Catholic schools. And it's something that I think we really need to be aware of. Um, and so some of the educators that we interviewed, you know, shared that being like the only Hispanic on their school staff or very few feeling that they were very culturally underrepresented in their schools um, is of great concern. Um, and I think something that we need to be aware of. Um, they often feel kind of that sense of, you know, on on the margins, right? They're, they're culture may not be centered, their language may not be centered in ways where they really feel it could impact, right? The Their representation has an impact on students, on families, on the community. As we've said, they're gente puente, they're individuals who really kind of engage with families in a way that's not necessarily part of their formal role, but it's what they do because they are drawn to be of service to their community. And so I think we really have to recognize the many ways that they give so selflessly of themselves, our Hispanic teachers and leaders, and and I think we need to really consider about how do we train our personnel, all of our personnel to recognize the value that our teachers and leaders from diverse backgrounds bring, and how do we help them feel that sense of belonging that they really um, thirst and desire for. Um, and so I think it gets us to ask ourselves around the type of cultures that we build as leaders, the ways that we meaningfully um, uh, create those communities, and how we make sure that everyone feels part of, uh, of being part of a Catholic school, because we really center that idea of community as being so critical to what we do and as a distinguishing factor in our Catholic schools, but we need to make sure that what we, what we believe we really um, act out on. And so I think that's a real call for us. So that's one area that I would, I would say we really need to focus in on. And I'll tell you, you know, as I'm listening to you speak, I'm so, okay, I, sp I spend a lot of my time um, working with people in, um, in the area of students with disabilities in Catholic schools. And I, I talk a lot with Mike Boyle. We're actually working on an article right now together. And so I'm very immersed in this concept of moving from welcoming to belonging. And I'm hearing you say that as well. And that's all part of Catholic mission. So whether we're talking about people who are on the fringe, I heard you say that word as well. And if it all comes back to what is our Catholic mission and how do we make sure that everyone feels a sense, not just of welcome, but of belonging 
in our Catholic Church and in our Catholic communities and our Catholic schools and in leadership positions. So, you know, so much, so much of the work that I do, even though it's in a different area, we're really all speaking the same language and that's because it all goes back to the root of the mission. So thank you so much for sharing that. Dr. Espino, um, anything else that you would like to add to those areas of challenge and areas of growth? Yes, Colleen. Um, I want to invite uh, the listeners of this podcast to go back to the report when you have a chance. And towards the end of the report, there is a page precisely called uh, Signs of, uh, uh, there's a Signs of Hope and also there is the the areas of growth you know you'll find this and we identify 10 different areas of growth not the only ones emerging from this study but there are many others um i'm gonna also like melody pick up on on one but before i do that i want to tell a story that actually from our own report it's a story that we really that that, that really caught you know, our attention and this is uh, uh, this Latina teacher who is speaking, you know, she's a leader. She's speaking with a, with a family, uh, a Latina mom. And then uh, the daughter you know, comes at the end of the school day, most likely, and uh, introduces her teacher to, the, to her mom and says, this is my teacher. So the mother says, really, are you the teacher? And, and, uh, and she says, yes, I am. And said, and you speak Spanish? And said, yes, I do. I'm Latina. And said, so you are like you are like one of us. And then the teacher says, yes. Then the mother turns to the daughter and says, you know, and I'm paraphrasing all throughout. And the and the mom says, when you grow up, I want you to be like her. And that story to me is very moving and it's very telling. It really captures much of what Melody and I want to do with this particular study. Going back to the, uh, to the idea of representation, to the idea, uh, to the, uh, idea of presence, uh, we know that Hispanic leaders and teachers make a difference at all levels in the life of uh, our Catholic schools. Now, I, uh, the, one, the one area of growth that I want to highlight is how do we promote these teachers that have been in, in Catholic schools for quite a while? And how do we help them move to become uh, principals or assistant principals, to become uh, directors of programs, and eventually to become superintendents? No? If you count all the superintendents of Catholic schools in the United States of America at the diocesan level, uh, who are Hispanic or self-identified as Hispanic, I think, you know, and this is, we, we still haven't come, come with, a, with a strong count, but I believe that with one hand and you will still have a few fingers left, you know, it's very few, very small number. We know- That is correct. Yes, and we know that only 7% of the leaders in Catholic schools nationwide are uh, or or self-identified as Hispanic. So the question for us is, what are the pathways that we can imagine as a school to promote these uh, these teachers? And that would mean, you know, as Melody said earlier, it will be teacher programs, but also leadership programs that we need. We need to intentionally identify these leaders. 
we need to open the ways for these you no know, successful bright principles you no know, that can actually become assistant superintendent superintendents they can start working at the national level they can be doing research and so on but we need to support them we need to help them you know get there and we also need to make sure that any biases that exist in our system and in our school are addressed you know we have to really get over that idea that being bilingual or being uh, in an immigrant or speaking with a quote-unquote accent, you know, are impediments to grow, you know. And I have heard them all because people actually have said them of me, you know. So I remember when I began my own career, you know, so, so, some people said, you are an immigrant. And I said, so what? You know, I'm going to keep doing it because I'm passionate about uh, about what I'm doing. But a lot of the uh, a lot of these teachers encounter precisely that kind of biases. So we need to find ways to support them and, uh, and to promote them uh, as they become leaders, because once they become leaders, they will be able to actually encourage others. And like this young, like this mother told her daughter, you know, one day I want to be, I want you to be like her. You know, I think that a lot of teachers who are Hispanic, when they look at you know, their colleagues who are in leadership, they see themselves as those leaders and those educators. Thank you for sharing that. That was a great story. That was a great story. And, um, you know, again, listening to to the things that you're saying, and it just, it makes me think of, you know, the, the 1978 pastoral letter from the USCCB that actually points out at the very beginning of the letter that prejudice is actually rooted in the perception of difference between people. And when we perceive a difference, whether it's a, a physical difference, a psychological difference, and it just as you just said, it could be the way someone speaks. But anytime we perceive a difference, that could be the root of a prejudice. And you said this is the way that we are going to have to, you know, overcome bias is by acknowledging that difference is actually a gift. And that's what that's what your article was about that I read this morning. So I, I think we're gonna leave it right there. I, I have so enjoyed our time together today. And um, I really look forward to um, future conversations with you. I, I think this is a fantastic topic and thank you both so much for your leadership in this area. Thank you, Colleen. Thank you for having us. So um, as we wrap up today, I just wanna thank uh, Dr. Melody Wittenbach, Dr. Hosman Espino from Boston College for joining me today, um, for to Petrus, our sponsor, uh, for being NCEA's um, podcast sponsor and supporter of all NCEA members. And of course, I want to thank our listeners for joining us today for this fantastic podcast. And I hope to see you all again next time. Have a great day. Thank you.